What are we doing, Shahir? Why are we here midweek? We're going to give spoilers away. The spoiler ban has been lifted, and that's what we're here to do. Thank you so much, the Russos. Russos. But in fact, we already gave away spoilers, so there's another reason we're here. Oh, we're talking about Endgame, of course. We are uh, the conversation that never ends. <laughs> you know what I find? You know what I find? You know what I find really interesting is what? that on the podcast you will talk about how like episodes are running long, but our yep. Endgame episode was like two and a half hours with no mention of how long it is. I'm, I'm, this is not a dig at you. I'm just saying we're. I we take it as a compliment. We we seem to be. This movie is swallowing us whole. It is now. It is the the movie that is. Uh, the quickest to reach two point two point something billion dollars. At yeah, this point. it beat out Titanic at this point. And right now, Zoe Saldana is the only actress to be in the top two films of all time, which is Avatar and this, and it'll surely surpass Avatar at some point. Yep. Um, I have not given this movie a second thought. I liked it. I did like it. I know you did. Uh, but I have not given this movie a second thought. Well, I gave it a second watch. You did uh, give it a second and watch. And I, this, first of all, just everyone listening, this episode is not going to be mostly about what she hear. It's not going to be us leading it. We're yeah. going to, we got so many emails yeah. uh, that we wanted to give a like a little half week uh, bonus episode for everybody. Avengers in game. We didn't want to put it in like the next episode because we thought it would take away from the time that we'd have to do that. Yeah, and I, I hate the idea that we'd be like doing a film like Burning. You, you mentioned this because we were originally going to do yeah. it in Burning. I hate the idea that we would be like doing Burning and then coming back to Avengers Endgame because I yeah. thought that was unfair to Burning. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't say that at the time but you did and yeah. I think that was a good call. Uh, so, uh, so, but real quick before we even get into the emails uh, mm. I did see it a second time. And How did it hold up? It works way better. Really? Um, I, and again, I loved it the first time, no yeah. question. But yeah. first and foremost, I saw it in uh, 2D uh, RPX. Uh, which, which is was, way better, right? Which is way better. But I will say this and I hope this isn't throwing some shade at our local Astoria uh, or, you know, Cineplex. Um, But the weird thing about it was I noticed that the image itself seemed blown up like that like they almost like didn't have a resolution set right the, the scene this is not a spoiler it's in the trailer where iron man is recording a message on his helmet and right. since he's nanoparticles like there's a lot of thin lines sort of etched into the broken helmet mm -hmm. anytime there was a thin line with a lot of contrast I saw pixels. Ooh. And I was like, what the shit? You don't want to pay 20 bucks for an RPX screen and only to see a pixel. I know. It was very weird. That's um, a, but that's other some, than that, from a narrative perspective, I will now... I'll that's go some low-grade shit right there. I know. There. I'll go back and I will deal with people talking about timelines. I'll deal with people everything. Everything worked. And, and it's funny. Uh, a lot of the gripes I had about specific things are a little bit washed away. We'll probably get into some of them in in these emails. There's a there's a question, a specific question about timeline that we should address later. Yeah. Uh, so I, it was just interesting. Um, and uh, and and I will say that one of my uh, uh, qualms with the film that was washed away is only due to the fact that I know outside information about the filmmaking process and films coming down the line. So like, there's that weird balance of like, oh well, then does it work <laughs> anyway? Uh, very excited. Let's dive into some of these emails yes and always you can always email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on twitter at onlymoviepod we ask if you are hitting us up on twitter on facebook uh some people haven't seen the movie so please don't put any spoilers in there it's, it's if you've got a really spoilerific uh comment that you want to make please email us in that's i think the better way the more polite way to yes do and mark the email everyone's mm -hmm. actually been real good 
about well, we've about, seen the movie now. No, so no, but then, even beforehand, like when we had some emails coming in, everyone's like, "Hey guys, spoilers!" Just yeah. so you know, like I, I find the spoiler conversation refreshing and respectful. So first email came in from Catherine, uh, and hi Matt and Shahir. Hi Shahir, I just finished listening to your Avengers Endgame episode. Loved the discussion. Yay. Thank you very much, Shahir. You asked about clapping at movie theaters and where the people around the world do it. I'm from Germany, and I've never been at a movie screening where people clapped. I didn't even know it was a thing <laughs> until pretty recently. Um, so yes. Just to recap there, uh, a lot of people applauding in the movie. Oh, I, yes. I kind of said that this might be a uh, a phenomenon that is based entirely in the U.S., although there will be a follow-up email that, that disproves that. So we've got two sides of the coin here. Also, do want to say, before we continue this email, people cheered and clapped and 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 cried and everything the exact same amount week two as right. they did week one. Which I think has got to be and completely gratifying for the filmmakers to know that their films are kind of working yeah. that way. Uh, but obviously it doesn't happen with the Germans. Uh, okay, so now some thoughts about the actual movie. Uh, I 100% agree that the girl, the hashtag girl power scene was pandering, but it worked for me. It made me feel amazing and powerful. And that makes me think, do men feel like that every time when they watch a superhero movie? Do they only exist to pander to male power fantasies after all? Uh, I'll continue here. But there was another scene of pandering that didn't work at all. <laughs> the gay member of Cap's support team is a nice sentiment, but it's not representation. He is a nameless character we haven't seen before and will never see again. And this scene will certainly be cut from international versions. As a queer Marvel fan, I hope I get to see a superhero kiss another boy or a superheroine kiss another girl in my lifetime. We deserve to be heroes and we deserve happy endings. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's address this this. This this discussion of pandering girl power yep. queer so, representation. So, um, interestingly enough, the uh, for the for the girl power moment, the hashtag girl power moment. Um, I found myself this time. I didn't realize it was happening until halfway through it. If that makes sense, that's how much it the worked. First time or the second, second time? time, right? Uh, that's how much it worked for me now. Right. And I tried figuring out like I, I literally had zero problem with. It. I'm like, this is great. Yeah. I didn't have a huge problem with it before, but then this time I was like, oh, it's because it's 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 a pacing issue sort of as well. It's the first time since the uh the characters the, all, everything we're spoiling everything. We said that before. Yeah. That the characters come back and there's the the in the, the big action scene starts. Right. That we have a slowdown moment. It goes for like a good 12 minutes of like like very and this is the first time that that sort of stops and there's that superhero pose that men do get all the damn time. And yeah, I feel great when I see that shot in all of the movies. Like um I felt great when I saw this shot. Like and and another gripe I had originally was oh well Captain Marvel doesn't need them to to get the glove there. Yeah. The way the battle is, though, she kind of does. Does she? Because she, she gets slowed down. She gets knocked off course a bunch. She gets hit with stuff, and it doesn't stop her, but it moves like it moves her around. And they sort of keep course correcting her until she can really go forward. Right. And it's it's again, it's such a huge sequence that I feel like on first watch, like I was like I was more on board with like yeah, what like this seems a little bit meh. But like I was actively engaged and I enjoyed it very much. I think it, I literally have zero and I, I hope that other people sort of get that feeling 
Right. I mean, it sounds like um, Catherine. Catherine didn't have that feeling anyway, or she she like no, she, noticed she it, it, but it was but it was great. Yeah, I I, I think it. Uh, what it was to me is that I noticed what they were trying to do. So, for example, if you think of the uh, in the Avengers in the first film, uh, in the first Avengers movie, when there's the kind of Avengers yep. assemble moment, that all felt narratively connected to what was happening, which is that okay, now you know, like these characters actually need to be at this point. It wasn't this, a trope then. Yeah. It. But now it feels like. Like it's a it's a little bit of trouble, and and I and I, but I agree with the sentiment is that it should be in the movie. Like it's not the it's not a case of that they shouldn't be an all female Avengers. It shouldn't be uh, you know, a force baby. You, you know, like uh, uh, female superheroes or anything like that. It's, it's none of that. It's just the way it's used in this film. And the way I would kind of maybe sort of equate it to other discussions that we've had this year is Ocean's Eight versus Widows, um, which is Ocean's Eight feels like it's wearing the hashtag girls kind of thing on its sleeve, whereas Widows is doing that without wearing that, you know, like it makes sense as to all those characters being there. That's the way I would kind of describe it as like my feeling about it. Mm. Um, I don't think it's a bad, bad moment. Yeah. I don't think the moment shouldn't exist, uh, but that's why. And I think the, there's a similar thing here, which is the, the, the gay member of CAP support group. I have less of an issue with this because it's, because it's just dropped in, and I think the the thing that I like about it is the idea that it's normal. I agree with the with the opposite side of the sentiment, which is that the movies haven't done enough work in that respect to kind of create this normalization. And I agree with the the cynical part of me, which is to say that for international audiences, yeah. this is you know like if you're sending this movie to China, this is the scene you'll just cut out because it doesn't affect anything else. Yeah, it's um, you know for example, Bohemian Rhapsody is playing in China, or I believe in Russia without any gay. Or homosexual content, which is just strange to me. But well, so th there's two. Now we're getting into sort of two yeah. sides of it, right? Yeah. Let's talk about the Bohemian Rhapsody ever so slightly. Yeah. That's literally. I mean, there. I guess it's two different types of revision revisionalist history. Yeah. But like, that's trying to scrub a, a part of a of a actual human being away in yeah. a in a form of entertainment in where a snapping style way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And in in this and in in the stuff in general, when they have scenes like this. Um, that are on one level uh, good for representation, but on another level are absolutely not true representation. And I, I think it's even less... I don't see it, and again, my opinion is almost meaningless in this entire sort of scenario, but the scene itself, I'm with you, Shahir, I think it was very nice to sort of normalize and not make a big deal out of... out of Like, trying to make it seem like everyday life, because guess what it is? Yeah. Um, but the cynical part does jump in, yeah. where it's like... Well, if they actually cared, they would have put a moment with this sort of feeling into a moment that could not be cut out. Or they would have said, nope, you get the whole movie or none of the movie. Right. And so far, we have not seen that. And uh, that is that is definitely a blemish, in my opinion. Um, I, think, I think it also speaks to the broader context that these movies, as much as we want them to be uh, just great stories, are corporate... Uh, these movies are uh, corp expressions of corporatism in some sure. way, and and that expression of corporatism gets through gets pushed through in this respect. And all movies do that. All movies kind of are an expression of a corporate capitalist kind of uh, yes. uh, ideology, and and they need to sort of balance that idea out. And, and I, I think that, that the Marvel films in general do a spect like one of the best uh, balancing acts of that. Uh, 
it's I think it's why they are so popular and so lucrative. But there are points like this one that I feel like stumbled for a very weird specific reason. Uh, Catherine, we just got one more thought from you before we move on to the next email. A weird thought that I had during the movie, did Thanos' soldiers have families? Because if they <laughs> do have families, th- because do those families have to live with the consequences of the snapping part too? Uh, I feel like it was really mean to kill them all. I'm soft. Uh, finally, I would be emotion. I would honestly be emotionally satisfied if this was the ending of the MCU. I really want to go see a movie with Sam as Captain America and Bucky as sidekick and, you know, a gay superhero, as I said. Uh, Matt, you mentioned Jamie so much. You should really bring her on the podcast again oh that's nice that's very true love listening to your podcast keep up the good work uh just some quick thoughts here uh i just i kind of bounced back uh, i actually emailed Catherine back with the scene from clerks where they talk about death star contractors which i think is yeah, kind of yeah, like, yeah. you know the yeah. exact kind of conversation it's, it's a fun thought exercise um it points to a sort of a burda issue in terms of like faceless hordes which is another email we'll talk about later yeah um uh, matt did you have anything i mean i would just say that like uh it's possible they had families but at the same time they felt very um and i can only relate to actual animals that i understand it felt very brood ish it felt very insect based right. uh and in that way i think it did the movie did a, it smartly so did a long way to dehumanize thanos's troops for the most part right um they probably i mean they must have been born unless they were grown and in which case i mean there's a line you're from making- infinity war where it's like we have blood to spare and you're like oh shit we know where your priorities are right um so i would be sad if if uh they got the letters from <laughs> from no one because they're all snapped that they're the, all dead. The logistics of running Thanos' army, I'm, I'm very <laughs> curious about. Um, another, a tweet here from Tsukuro. Tsukuro? Sorry, I'm, 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 I'm butchering that. Uh, Hi, I'm listening to your in-game episode. and would like to share some experiences with you guys. So I'm Taiwanese, and this country is, uh, is generally crazy for superhero movies. Uh, people in Taiwan are usually annoyingly polite and quiet when watching uh, a movie in the theater. But for in-game, people were clapping and cheering throughout the whole movie. Yeah. It's Especially for the ending credits when the signatures of the six original Avengers came out, wow. uh, which was, uh, people clapped for almost a minute long. And people did talk to the screen. Um, so that's the exact opposite reaction and sort of more in line with the, um, with the American response. I did not enjoy the signature moment. Um, I, I felt, liked it. I felt it was like the movie was handing me an autograph, which I did not ask for. But, you know. I asked for it. Uh, whatever. I uh, sent in all my coupons for my cereal boxes <laughs> over 11 years, and that's what I got. Um, there was just the the last point Catherine made as well. Uh, I would love I I I I would love this to be the end. To be honest with you, and I and I and I and I'm I'm saying that because I'm remembering a quote from Jerry Seinfeld when he was talking about the movie The Hangover. Mm-hmm. He said. If The Hangover was just one movie, oh, yeah. it might go down as one of the greatest comedies made in the 21st century. But they made two more sequels that diminished the brand entirely. Oh, 100%. And listen, <laughs> I'll be the first to say that I love an ending. And I, I'm just uh, saying that they're going out on a high right I now. Go, I go back to Cowboy Bebop. Harry I, Potter right I know, now? Right? With, you know, like, I, I'm just saying like an ending is a good thing because you can last. But you know what you can't do with endings? <laughs> Make more money. <laughs> uh, so they're going to keep doing it. And do I think the pedigree will hold up for a long time? Yes, I absolutely do. But if they keep making stuff, it's just math. Like it's one of the, it's going to start having diminishing return. Like there's no question. For so every, it's a, for every Empire Strikes Back, there's got to be a Phantom Menace. Is what you're saying? I mean, w- but that movie made money. <laughs> yeah, but like, it's terrible. Yeah, but it made <laughs> money. Like, yeah, I get what you're saying. <laughs> you know? So yeah, I, I well, I'm very glad that um. They were cheering in Taiwan. Yeah. Um, 
Tiskaru uh, also follows up with just saying, thank you for making this episode. It's super long and I'm still listening. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but uh, also, I know it's been a while for you, but uh, the Leaving Neverland episode was also very inspiring. I still don't have the courage to watch the documentary, but the questions you raised in that episode made me think a lot. Thank you very much for that. Well, thank you very much for, for listening. Mm. And uh, I never actually thought about uh, the Neverland episode being something that could be helpful for people people coming to terms with it without like without actually watching the thing because right right yeah whether you could watch whether you could listen to our i don't want to suggest in any way that we are uh uh a support group or or no not at all have anything meaningful to say in terms of that but we have but but it's a it's a how do i put it for someone especially if if michael jackson is, is a large part of your cultural life yeah um, having jumping off points like podcasts or articles or things like that to get into a difficult topic rather than just diving straight up into some some I, some personal horrors. Yeah. Um, that might be good. It's it's over to your personal uh, uh your personal preference. I would recommend watching the doc um because it reframes Michael Jackson. And in fact, I I had a playlist over the weekend that had Michael Jackson in it, and it had Michael Jackson's song "Pretty Young Things." Uh, which we listened to, and we and we found that we had a lot of difficulty listening to it. And, yeah. I, and I think for us, it's important to kind of know that context. I don't want to go in blind to the world. That's me. All right. Uh, Gareth, writing us again. Oh, Gareth, you l- labyrinthian mastermind, you. Um, <laughs> he says, hey, guys, I'm halfway through your Endgame podcast, and I'm enjoying it, but I wanted to take a quick intermission to disagree with Shahir. <laughs> what? <laughs> What? Especially since it turns out my, my time travel question was super generic. She here said that Black Widow was the obvious <laughs> choice between her and Hawkeye because she doesn't have a family and has nothing to come back to. But if I recall correctly, even she points out that the only real family she has is the Avengers. And if they win against Thanos, then she has also reunited a fa- she has a reunited family to basically come home to like Hawkeye would in a way. She's practically been acting like the Avengers overworked mom in the for the past five years anyway. In the end though, there is a difference and I would probably still choose her <laughs> if I had to. <laughs> Right. <laughs> because uh, for her family to lose uh, her is like losing a comrade when compared to Hawkeye, who is literally uh, a, a father and a husband. Uh, plus, the Avengers would survive without her much better than <laughs> Hawkeye's family would. Without him. Without him. Uh, so agreeing with the decision, but just, just wanted to highlight that the, <laughs> the same familial ties are the same thing. Da, da, da. So, right. Gareth, wait a minute. So you're disagreeing with me, but you're agreeing with me. In no, 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 no. First of all, and I... Uh, I I'm just making fun, by the way, Gareth. Yeah. I, I, I love it when people disagree with me. Um... So I have a whole thing about Black Widow's death now, which kind of ties into this. Ooh. And this was this was a little bit of my tie-in um, after seeing it a second time. I never had a problem with uh, Black Widow being the one to sacrifice herself. Yeah. What I initially had the problem was was the gravity that uh, she was not given when she died. Now, granted, I did have to use the restroom when uh, <laughs> there was a moment so when you, I, so I... So basically, you were dishonoring. I was dishonoring, so that's why I went and you, saw it again. It was like her funeral, and you walked out. But here's the thing. She doesn't get a funeral. <laughs> they have a, a moment on the lake where they're all angry, and Thor does the whole, you can just bring her back. We have these magic rocks, and then uh, they're like, no, 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 you can't. Two, two things I really like. One, um... After seeing it again, I do like the fact that they, even though like with Gamora, they sort of sidestep it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like the fact that the person in the timeline that dies to get the Soul Stone, no matter what, is gone. That's the sacrifice you make for the Soul Stone. That Except is what, for Gamora. 
but that but it's a different Gamora. Right. That's what I'm saying. But like Gamora's back. But not the Gamora that Peter Quill uh had a relationship with. It's a but, different but, Gamora. But, but theoretically with that with that logic they could go back and pluck uh a Black Widow that's not that pre-Soulstone Black Widow, right? Yeah, but it wouldn't be the same Black Widow. Black Widow still died. Right, but they could go and pluck a pre- Well, so this yeah. goes back to my yeah. second thing, basically, uh, that uh, the reasoning, and especially after sort of you have that moment, and then there's one moment with Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch at, at Tony Stark's very dramatic funeral. Yeah. Um, and at first I was like, why isn't Black Widow getting this? W- but they like, talk about it there, right? Well, they talk about it, sure, <laughs> but they don't. It's, it's at Tony Stark's funeral. Right. It's not at Black Widow and Tony Stark's funeral. Right. Um, so... But I, I think I've cracked the reason why they chose to do this. Mm-hmm. If they gave Black Widow a really like in-depth funeral scene, mm-hmm. it would be far weirder for her to come back. And I don't know what the Black Widow movie is going to right, be, yeah. but even the fact, even if it's a prequel, if it exists, you have this huge funeral service for a character and then just have another film with them would feel weird in the connectivity. Tony Stark is done. Right. I yeah, never he, want him to come back. I don't think he's ever going to come back. Maybe there'll be a recording at some point of a thing or something, but that's about it. He's also central to the MCU. So this movie was kind of the end of a the, yeah. the, the end of Tony Stark. So I from an outside of perspective of watching the film just as the film, knowing that the movie's coming and knowing we will see more adventures of Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow, I get why they didn't do that. Right. Uh as far as choosing her, I I honestly think her and Hawkeye are evenly matched to to sacrifice themselves as far right. as that. I don't think there's I, a, my my issue is that I it's again, it's not that sort of question of like uh, Who she, has less to lose? No, it's not the issue of like um, she should die because she doesn't deserve it or anything like that. It's not. It's not like sort of a question. It's just my issue is in the parameters that the film sets up, which is that it starts with Hawkeye losing his family, and this is an opportunity to get that family. That's what the parameters of this film are. So when they're sort of having this debate, I'm just kind of going, well, it seems obvious to me. Okay, you know, do your thing if you need to. But here's a here's an that's interesting... coming from you're 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 being familiarly biased. Why am I being familiarly biased? Well, I mean the the the, the choice. I'm saying the the parameters of what the film, what this film, Avengers Endgame, is saying to us is that that is the choice, right? Like the choice is this character who we've seen go through this amazing trauma uh, has the opportunity to get his get his family back versus this character who has spoken much, you know, in the film about like not really having much to do now uh, and not really having much of a family that she wants to get back. If that's our choices, it seems obvious to me in the parameters of this film. But the parameters of the film are also that the, all these characters carry, uh, care about each other greatly. Like, I think they handled it well. I, I, I don't think right, we... but here, here's what I'm saying. If if Natasha had died and... and oh, no, if, if, Clint. If, if, if Clint had died and Natasha had lived, does that make sense in the parameters of the film that they've kind of set up? Based on the, their char- their characters? Absolutely. That fight could really? have gone... Yeah, listen, I'll, I'll go through it. Okay. That's why I, I think the way that they set up that thing, they could have told a compelling story one way or the other. Um, for instance, if Clint sacrificed so himself, at the end of the film, I'm, t- Hawkeye- I'm telling you what I'm thinking. Yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> Go ahead. If Clint had sacrificed himself and had been the one to get the Soul Stone, and yeah. Nat came back, yeah, that opens up a whole nother line of 
uh, turmoil and grief for not only all of the characters, but ScarJo in particular, because now not only did she lose a comrade and friend, but now she has to deal with the fact that she feels responsible for literally making it so people that they are she is very close with, a, 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 a family that's probably the closest thing outside of the Avengers mm-hmm. that you'd ever, now doesn't have a father. Right. And like that is also an interesting and compelling story. It's a different story. And look, if you want to do the cold, calculated like math version of this very very emotional situation that is out of the entire spectrum of reality. Yes, you and Gareth are correct. It is the proper mathematical move for for Scarlett Johansson to die. But I would have been happy either way with either of them. I think there's interesting stories that could be told. You know, the one thing, the other thing about this whole sequence that kind of like it's it bugged me in retrospect is like, why did those two human characters go to the other planet? Yeah, I mean, like, you sure. Know, you know, like, like, why not send the Hulk to that scenario or something like that? Because you know, then he couldn't die. Or, you know, they didn't know that, though. I'm just saying, yeah. like, you're going interplanetary. Why send your two human characters there versus your, like, superhuman characters? So they character? could make the joke about Budapest. Moving uh, on! Well, no, I have one more oh. thing about this because because there was an interesting article in Gizmodo or io9 about the uh, the title was The Avengers Endgame, Women Deserve More. And there's an interesting story about uh, Scarlett Johansson, Black Widow's character deserving more in the entire narrative because there's the there's some, there's been some criticism about, like, the way she's been treated, you know, first off as a sex object, yep. secondly as a barren woman, which I think has been described as yep. well. Uh, in an interview with the New York Times screenwriters Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely made it clear that Natasha really wanted to die because she wanted to see all of her Avengers boys happy. Her journey, in our minds, this is uh, quoting McFeely, the writer, had come to an end uh, if she could get the Avengers back. It was melodramatic to have uh, to have him Hawkeye die and not get his family back, and it's it's only right and proper that she's done, Marcus added when the New York Times broached the subject of the uh, Voromir death race. Um, and now I'm paraphrasing from the article, paraphrasing from the article. These responses only highlight the very massive disservice this film does to its women's characters. Hawkeye gets to live because he has a family. Natasha, the sterile woman who comes from a bad home, gets to die because her greatest wish is that her found family of hero boys will be happy. She is there to prop him and the other men up. Her character arc amounts to her arc uh, to the arc her body makes as it plummets to the ground. I think that's an interesting thing. It, it points to that broader sure. conversation that these films speak to our de- collective desire as an audience for representation, mm-hmm. not just for narrative. Because yeah. I think narratively, I you know like I would pick her as a representative uh, task, just like seeing gay characters on screen, I would want her arc to be more representative sure. and not be biased against women. So I think I think that's an interesting, you know, an interesting I think point. that that I read that um the interview, those they sound like such fucking yokels. Uh the taken out of context, don't wanna, sure. don't wanna put well, words the, in yeah, 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 yeah. Um but the the interesting thing is I feel like that is a quote just that like that's two writers trying really hard to um weirdly enough going back to like knowing that there's a black widow movie coming like they're trying to just get away from the topic too much because they don't want to focus on the fact that she's dead because she's gonna be back like and that's not look that's not correct in i mean i 100 agree with everything you said she here uh as far as you know what is important for representation versus what is important elsewhere um but i just think it's interesting i think it's funny that the writers and actors and things now have to do this weird little dance where they like kind of spew things that maybe they either don't truly believe or they're not comfortable with saying to tow the company line. And just to be clear, we are part of the problem. We are like this convers- this sort of ongoing conversation is great because you know like pop culture conversations are important and fun to have, but but we're getting into the situation now where it's not a, it's not 
it's not a movie making exercise. It's a marketing exercise and, a, and it's a, it's a press exercise. And I think that's just kind of where we are in the world. And that's, that's what it is. But you know, that's kind of uh, an odd place. I'd say we're part of the solution. Moving on. Steven. Do you want to read this one? You read this one. Okay, great podcast. Fun fact, I've actually worked on a time travel movie. Fun fact, Stephen, I've seen that time travel movie, Event 16. I actually worked on a story about that time travel movie. Uh, in another timeline, it was very successful. In the real world, it was not. Uh, we looked at the very different rules to time travel really hard, and the end game, uh, an end game basically jumps across parts from several different sets of rules to whatever works for the story. I can't fault them for that. Story should be the one thing to rule them all, but it's not a good time travel story. Anyway... How does Scarlet come back? Um, how Scarlet could come back using Scarlet the bonkers? Witch. Uh, Scarlet Witch comes back using the bonkers time rules of Endgame. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe he's talking about Scarlet Johansson the, there. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Either way, I'm okay. just gonna. He's just yeah, yeah. he's pointing out some th you know some time travel things. Uh, Captain America jumps back to just before Scarlet and Hawk get the stone. I think he's talking about Black Widow. Um, you know, this is how they could have resolved it. Uh, Gives the soul stone uh, he has to Hawkeye, who takes it back to to use it to get used in the snap. Scarlet lives, uh, Black Widow lives, and leaves without Cap. This is basically just a an alternate. He's giving alternate versions of things yeah, characters yeah, yeah. could have done to make it work. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, the time travel thing. I, I'm gonna just again go back to the Looper quote. Don't try to think about it too hard because you'll you'll uh, you'll work yourself in circles. There is a thing that I haven't quite put together in my head, and I'm sure there's a solution for it. It doesn't make it any more satisfying, but I don't understand how Cap goes into an, and creates a new timeline for himself by going back into the past and living. How does he come back to this timeline? I guess there's there's probably some narrative solution for that. From what I understand, it's, it's if he put back all of the stones in the exact right way, Right. There wouldn't be another timeline, and he would just be back in that timeline. The stones are the things that sort of – this is the weird thing. It's not an individual. Like an individual doing it doesn't have enough pull cosmically to make a full other timeline sort of on its own. It's if the stones are in these active sort of spots are not in the right places where time has gone, that's when it sort of splits. So how does Captain America go to Volmer or whatever? Or how Vol Volmer? Yeah. And put the stone back? I have no idea. They didn't show it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say that um, I I will take the thematic ending for, that I think yeah. Captain America deserves over nitpicking. I do think still, and I have, uh, and it's boring, <laughs> sort of gone into the like how and the why and the figuring out. Like there's there's definitely ways it could be done. The other thing I will say about Stephen's uh, Stephen's email is. I'll never I, I try really hard to not like be like, well, why didn't the characters do this? Yeah. Because and oftentimes I, I, I was just watching Game of Thrones, no spoilers, no spoilers. Uh, but uh Game of Thrones characters lately have been making real stupid decisions. Mm -hmm. And but in hectic situations. And my friends always are like, Well, that's so stupid. Why didn't they just do A, B, and C? And I've been like, I've been in a lot of stressful situations where I act stupid. Right. Like, you don't always make the optimum play. They don't have the benefit right. of being in the behind it, watching it happen, being like, I would have done it like this. So I try to I try to get away from that line of thinking. I'm not saying Steven's doing that here, but the uh, I've now just sort of stopped. Yeah. I, 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 
that's the thing. I, I'm I'm I, I'm with you on that, which is I like the Captain America ending uh, as it stands. I think it's emotionally cathartic, um, even if it's logically um, somewhat nonsensical, but right. nonsensical because I don't want to even think about it. To be yeah. honest with you, I just don't I don't care enough to to really pull that thread apart. Uh, there are movies that uh, I would do that, and this is not one of them. Yeah. Um, End game tweet, and we got the tweets from uh, our friend Jonathan Blade, aka Janky Old Broke Hobo Spider Man. <laughs> Um, he says, I was mostly, I was, I was most struck by Shahir talking about representation in Western media and the possibility of his son never getting to see a face like his own in the pop culture landscape that he will consume. Uh, I understand and sympathize with that emotional perspective very much. My POV has always been that there are glossy heroic tales of representation of Indian, Chinese, and Japanese folks in their respective film industries, but if the culture of representation isn't the one uh, you most identify with, then how much would you actually feel represented? Um, yeah. Well, thank, uh, thank you, Blade. Uh, the Blade. Uh, I'm going to just go back to Catherine's email here because I think uh, what I, I, I appreciate that, that he cottoned on to that. I, I don't want to make that um, my sentiment there be... Uh, angsty or the be all and end all about this film. I think, you know, like I also think not every film can be everyone, everything to everyone. Sure. Um, it's just so, this one is so large. It's easy to look at that from a cultural perspective. And, and I think I was just looking at that and even I was looking at that hashtag woman moment and, and saying, huh, there's never going to be one of me in that, in that, you know, in those moments. And I, and I don't foresee a world where I'm ever in that moment. And I, and I think I was asking the same question Catherine was asking, uh, earlier from Germany, which was like, what must it feel like? to feel like you're in that moment. You know, like how powerful must it be to have that moment, you know, feel like it's it's talking directly to you. Um, and and again, not every movie can be everything to everyone, so I don't want to make it uh, a big deal. And, and as uh, The Blade rightly points out, there are so many different places that this exists. Uh, there are so many places where representation can happen. Um, um, so it's not a case of... Uh, the movie having to speak directly to me. Right. Um, I guess the only counterpoint there, and I think Catherine's counterpoint to this as well, is that um, what must it feel like when a movie does speak directly to you? Um, and I and I certainly, you know, my stories like that might be. There's no story that specifically speaks to me, um, you know, because I'm, uh, uh, you know, Fijian, Indian, New Zealand, American. That's just such a weird anomaly that, yeah. you know. Um, but, you know, I've seen people that look like me on screen before. Mm -hmm. And I'm always, and it's it's fascinating because I have like that sort of like almost Lacanian rejection of them because they're like, oh, I can't be on screen because I don't, you know, we're not meant to be on screen <laughs> kind of thing. I No, it's seriously, you seriously Ugh. have that thing because you don't see yourself on screen yeah. very often. So you're like, when you do, you're like, Ugh, what is, what's going on here and then other times where it's like oh it's cool to see someone that kind of looks like me and then you're like do i look like that maybe i oh maybe i do look like that and it's a it's a weird balancing act it's a weird game um yeah it's an interest. I, I think there's no right or wrong answer it's an interesting conversation yeah i uh, wanted to go to the blades last question uh which is uh which was very broadly asked and we were mentioning that um and we're going to try and do it very quickly what is your favorite mcu scene or scenes up until this do point. Do you have one? I have three. You have to do a favorite. No, no, I'm, I'm doing three. That's I, not I, a favorite. You can, you can you, what are your favorite MCU scenes? Oh, what are I'll, your favorite scenes? Okay, okay. I apologize. Mm -hmm. I, I misread uh, Jonathan's uh, ask. I've got three, very quickly. Iron Man taking flight in, first, in the first movie. Hulk taking flight in Ang Lee's Hulk. That's not in the MCU. Why not? 
Because it's not. Wait. Ang Lee's Hulk is not in the MCU. Is the it? other one, the Edward Norton one is. Is it? It, but it, that is a sequel to that one, right? The Incredible Hulk also takes. Sure, it but if you but there's it's just not. What? Why is it not? Because they literally say it's not. Who who says it not? Uh, the Kevin Feige. Can you post? Uh, can you post that quote, please? And then I'll and sure. I'll retract it when you post sure. that quote. Uh, the second is uh, Vulture reveals whose daddy is. The the third. Oh yeah, that's that, a good one. That, that's those are my those are my three moments. Uh, my favorite is easily. Uh, and I know that I have to go away. Right. Uh, and Cat just Steven. Yeah, just by the the musical uh, cue, you know that I'm talking about Guardians of the Galaxy two, Yondu's funeral. Um, that is easily my favorite. Um, my favorite MCU I moment. Cat Stevens was in the first movie. No. Oh, uh, maybe there's a Cat Stevens song, but that song is during Yondu's funeral in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Okay. Spoiler for Guardians mm. of the Galaxy 2. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's your moment? Any others? Any other? I mean, that's the one I go back to time and time again. Well, when, I... you, when you just close your eyes now and think about all of them, yeah. like, are there any just moments that jump in your head? Uh, right now, just because it's so fresh, uh, Cap with Thor's hammer. That's great. Um, that's a great moment. And the, particularly the splash scene of him just standing against the entire army is dope. Uh, yeah. A lot shorter the second time I watched it. Like, I burned into my brain the first time, and I was like, ah, I experienced time very differently during that. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, I have fun, like, comic moments. I think the Mandarin reveal in Iron Man 3 is <laughs> fucking yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, little things, even in Infinity War, when Okoye uh, <laughs> talks to T'Challa about, like, you said when you thought we'd bring the outside world to Wakanda, I didn't think you meant this what'd you think of me like maybe Starbucks. a Starbucks yeah. like I think things like that the metaphysical ham on rye line from Dr. Strange like there's a lot of fun throwaways but no Yondu's funeral 100% okay uh, the, so that's it we're never talking about Avengers again game ever again until next week no, when no. we bring you more emails of Avengers and no never again no. never again I mean I'm that's going it. to I'm going to talk about Done. a bunch no more no maybe no more we'll see ever. anyway if you like these kind mm-hmm. of little I mean this went on a little bit longer than we thought but that's fun uh, if you like these sort of email centric episodes whenever we have larger movies uh, let us know if you like these and we'll try to do more of them and mm-hmm. uh, otherwise we're just going to put them in the regular email in the regular episodes mm-hmm. um, well with that I guess we 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 say we've goodbye. Done, we've done the end game. Yeah, like, like, this is it. That's we, it. We've right. done it. Well, we've, it's called the end game. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, that we have. We are. We are in the. No, we're not in the end game. We're past it now. End game. What? I can't take it anymore. Ince. End Ince. game. Ince. Ince. It's you Ince. and me, baby. End game. End game. Thanos. He's really gone. Oh, shoot. Oh, we're not doing it.